Hello, and welcome to What's Stopping You, episode number three with Kelsey. Kelsey is a data scientist for a financial services company, and she's working on two different projects. Kelsey, could you tell me a little bit about Tansy? Sure. So Tansy is a personal financial cash flow forecaster. So instead of maybe budgeting or tracking the amount of money you spend on certain um, areas like groceries, how much you're getting paid, et cetera, it forecasts into the future how much cash you'll have in, say, your checking account. Hmm. So um, each day you can go in and log your current checking account balance, and it will automatically update based on what you've defined as upcoming events. And then you can see, say, in 45 days when car insurance is due once every six months, will I have enough money to cover my car insurance without having to worry about what did I spend the past six months or categorizing all of that. Um, so it's an easy way to kind of keep yourself um, between the ditches on your personal cash flow. Between the ditches. I like that phrase. Um, I also love the space of personal finance. That's something I've been really interested in and seen a lot of benefit from in my own life. So I'm, I'm excited to dig into that one. Um, the second project you're working on is the environmental database. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, for about seven to eight years, I worked as an environmental consultant, uh, primarily in the air quality space. And um, in doing that, you have to do a lot of research over air permits. And air permits are spread across all different types of regulatory agency websites. Sometimes you can't find them and you have to do a FOIA request. And so one of the projects we always wanted to do was have a compilation of all air permits across the U.S. that we could go into and search across them to find things that were comparable to the project we were working on. And so my goal with the environmental database was to build the compilation of air quality permits so that environmental consultants could come to it. They could search. They wouldn't have to go to, say, Iowa or Minnesota's individual website or do a FOIA request for a permit they're interested in. They could just come to the website, search, find it, um, and move along in their project. Two very different projects. Uh, Tansy sounds like it's for individuals interested in personal finance and getting a better control of their budget, more of like a, a, a B2C. And then the environmental database sounds like something that came out of your work for environmental consultants. This is a problem I never would have imagined is a, is a problem. Um, what's your... What, what's your goal in pursuing each of these projects? Are you are you scratching your own itch and working on getting experience in software development? Do you want eventually one of these to become your full-time income and uh, be able to, to quit your job? What's the what's the plan? Yeah, so Tansy started as scratching my own itch. Um, about five years ago, I wanted to pay off all of the debt that I had. And so I really wanted to optimize my cash flow and know exactly how much extra I had each month. So I built out a spreadsheet tracking what I now do in Tansy automatically. Um, I didn't know how to program. I didn't even know what a database was um, at the time. And so that's kind of been my pet project to learn how to um, code, how to build a SaaS. But I recognize there's going to be a lot of um, challenges with um, a financial product and doing B to C. Um, mm. So this um, past year, then I came up with the idea of the environmental database, something that um, is more B to B focused, probably a little more stable. And that's probably the one that if I could get it to the point of going full time, or at least um, a significant part of my time, while maybe I freelance and do other things like that would be the ultimate goal. 
What What's the core metric that would make this either of these projects successful? Are you looking to like help a certain number of people? Are you looking to to make a certain amount that would be uh, offsetting expenses in your life? What What is What does success look like? Yeah, um, my initial success would be enough income replacement so that I could have a bigger impact. And then from that point, it would be something around how many people I'm helping, um, making more efficient in their job, what have you, or um, like me, pay off my debt faster. Mm. Um, or now it's like invest more while keeping my cash flow um, in check. So um, the first step is I do have to replace a certain amount of my current full-time income. Um, sure. And that would be the first success. What would be a meaningful amount of income to be replacing if, if these are making like a hundred dollars a month or a thousand, or does it need to make 10,000? Um, we do the math backwards here. They need to make about seven to $8,000 a month, seven, $8,000 a month yeah. to, to have a meaningful impact or to, to that would al allow me to go full time on them. Okay. Seven to eight K per month. Cool. Uh, okay. I, I have a series of questions to dig into the next level, but I'm going to pause there and, uh, shy. What <laughs> do, do you have anything you'd like to ask? I, I only have one and then I'm excited to hear your questions. And the only thing I want to ask okay. is which one are you enjoying working on more? Which one do you like care more about in the end? That's a good question. Right now, I probably care most about Tansy because I'm the furthest along. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's probably the one right now. Although I think if I dedicated enough time and got the environmental data database to a place where um, it was launched, the balance may change there. I think I'm just favoring Tansy because I'm further along. Mm -hmm. Okay. From from how uh, from what I'm hearing about your your goals in these projects, if if your goal was like I you know really struggled with debt and it, it was so impactful for my life for understanding how to get out of it, and I if I could if I could help everyone uh, in that position to uh, get out of debt as quickly as possible, that would just bring me the most life fulfillment. I would say absolutely, Tansy is the way to go. That's that's the one optimizing for like impact mm -hmm. um but it sounds like and th 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 these are motivations that i share like <laughs> sounds like money is the is the main thing to uh to uh handle right now that um if money was in a, a better place like that's that's gonna give you the the freedom and expansiveness to to be able to uh work on projects that have more of a oh altruistic component i'm not sure if that's the right word um so for this goal of getting to seven to eight k per month uh from the information that I have right now, an app that's B2B for environmental consultants that is this industry expertise that that you have that you're uniquely positioned in, I see that as the absolute fastest way to, to get to 7 or 8K per month. Um, how does that feel? Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Um, Tansy is maybe why I haven't launched it with uh, as a paid product yet is because I'm competing against free um, with yeah. other budgeting tools or I have to be super low. And so, yeah, I totally agree. The environmental database is probably the faster um, track to reaching the 7 to 8K. Okay. You also just said that 
that's not the one you're excited about. So, <laughs> but that might just be that it's the the one that you're further along, and that's that's an important part of this, uh, like managing energy, uh, especially as a solo founder. If you're the primary resource, you're the you're the engine that's moving this along. If if there's one of these projects that you're way more excited about, uh, it's it's going to be a lot easier to push that one forward. There's mm-hmm. a quote about uh, enthusiasm being worth 20 IQ points. I think that's uh, Paul, Paul Graham. That's something I find in my life frustratingly. Like <laughs> I know rationally this, this is the thing to work on, but uh, it, right. it's difficult to push it forward. Um, that I, I I would like to dig into the environmental database more. I, I, I do think that that's the, that's the way to get you to this goal faster. Um, you said that you're not as far along in the environmental database. It sounds like you, you already have a, a product for Tansy. What's, what's the current state of the environmental database? Is this just an idea? Do you have a landing page? Um, I did have a landing page. I turned off the server just because I hadn't made any progress. Um, but so my, uh, plan of attack was to start with a couple of state agency websites where I know they have the permits and I started with Minnesota. So I had scraped all of the permits off of their website and I have them um, in my app and in my database and S3. And I was starting to go back through and pull out pertinent information from the PDFs. And that's where I got stuck because I didn't know well, I'm trying to avoid touching the PDFs more than one time, if at all possible, because I'm going to be downloading a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know how much information I should be pulling out. And then I also had the thought, okay, do I need to make them all, you know, like OCR readable mm-hmm. so that a person could search over the whole document? Mm-hmm. Um so I have all the Minnesota permits downloaded. I have some of them, the metadata that I wanted um, pulled out into um, database fields that mm-hmm. are searchable. Um, and that's kind of where I stopped because I didn't know like how much I should be pulling out. And I didn't want to have to go back and redo a bunch of the permits. Hmm. I see. Okay. So it sounds like a uh, logistic question of exactly how much data needs to be pulled out of the PDFs. Um, can can we iron that out right now? Can we can we figure out what, what needs to be what needs to be pulled <laughs> yeah, out? Um, yeah, PDFs are a pain to work with. I I uh, I feel you. Um, are are these tables or these uh, lists that then you have to retype? Could you just could you just take the PDF, do OCR on the entire thing, and now it's a text document? And then can you get the information that you need from that text document? That I. Yes. The one thing I don't know, and maybe I'm not technically like savvy enough yet with PDFs is I don't know if I know how to go from the OCR, take it to, te- I know how to get to the text document, mm-hmm. but then how do I make that available to be searched in my app? Mm-hmm. Um, the documents from state to state, they all vary in format. They all vary in length. So in Minnesota, they could be 30 pages long to a thousand pages long. Okay. And they're a mix of just like um, regular text paragraphs and also um, tables with bullet points. Usually not very many graphics, if any, um, images or what have you. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, I know uh, what, which, which databases are you familiar with? Like uh, MySQL or Postgres or something else? Yeah, I have been using Postgres for this project. Um, okay. 
in my day-to-day work, I've used, I use Snowflake. Okay. Something that you can do that's probably not a great idea is to just take, make, make each PDF a row in a table that, and the table's called PDFs. And then one of the fields in the table can be the entire text content of the PDF. And then there's ways to search that, but that's probably not what you want to do. You probably want something a little more structured than that. Um, what, what what what's an example of something that someone might be searching for uh, in the environmental database? What's what's the question that they're trying to get answered, and and what steps would your application go through to to answer that question? Yeah. So one example would be if I'm an environmental consultant and I'm helping a petroleum refinery um, expand a piece of their process, mm-hmm. there would be a specific. Um, type of equipment that you would only find at a refinery. And I would want to go look for that, the name of the equipment across all other permits and see how they have been permitted. So it might, most often it would be like by equipment type um, that they're searching for. Um, In some cases they may be looking for like the actual regulatory rule. So like subpart K, um, but that probably is the less frequent um, intent, I would say. Okay, so the the PDFs that you're downloading per state and per county are examples of how previous permitting has happened. And then mm-hmm. I'm gonna, you know, I wanna ask your application, you know, I'm thinking of bringing a, a Bobcat onto my job site. Can you show me all the examples of uh, how Bobcats have been permitted? Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the past and then you spit out a list coming from multiple different pdfs of okay well you know this this bobcat for this job site pretty close to you in 2020 uh had this permitting um mm-hmm. okay okay that makes sense that's a that's a really good problem um i love how niche like so like i, I wouldn't have imagined that this is a, a thing that needs to be done um this makes a lot of sense to me as a as a thing that could be really valuable do you do you have any numbers on the total number of environmental consultants that would be using this maybe like in a state and how, how do you know that this is a valuable problem for them? So the company I worked at, there was about um, 130 of us in one um, consultancy firm. I haven't calculated the numbers. So that was, I was located in a company based in Minnesota um, and our, we probably had, five or six major competitors in just that area. So um, that's probably like 700 um, per state. So I'm really bad at mental math. Maybe 3,500 people across the U.S., right? Okay. 700 times 50. Is that, or am I off a of zero there? How big of a problem do you think this is for them is this does this you know in in researching this is this just sort of annoying and it takes like a minute per thing or is this something that would take you half a day for a job that with a tool like this you could save a whole bunch of time how what's the pain that people are feeling here Um, it is a significant part of their job to research Um, so it's at least half a day um, if you're not familiar with say other petroleum refineries to go look up if you don't know like there is a ConocoPhillips in Louisiana, you wouldn't even know where to start looking for other permits um, to find what you're looking for. So um, in my 
experience. It could be four to 40 hours of research you're doing on other permits to see how they're being permitted, um, things you might not have taken into consideration. Okay, um, for, yeah. uh, four, four to five hours per day per uh, permit? Uh, no, the whole um, pr like research aspect of your project. So you may search 20 permits in that time frame. Um, so okay. any one permit is probably an hour, um, but you may have to go look at 20 different permits to get the whole picture of okay. um, how they've been permitted in the past. Okay, okay. So so for each environmental consultant, probably half of their time is spent on this task of, yeah. of looking at the different permits. Okay. Um, do you know roughly what environmental consultants get paid? Um like someone with five years is probably in the range of seventy to ninety thousand dollars a year. Cool. Um, they're probably like their billing rate out to clients is somewhere in the range of like, I would say, eighty dollars to maybe one hundred and thirty dollars an hour. Okay. Okay, interesting. So let's let's do a little math. If they're uh, if the average one is getting paid eighty thousand a year. Uh, and this task that, that you'll be uh, helping to expedite of looking up previous examples of ways that uh, it's been contracted it takes about half of their time. It's about $40,000 a year per, uh, per environmental consultant. If one consultancy has 130 uh, environmental consultants, that's $40,000 times 130. Uh, I'm also not great at math, which is why I use calculators. That's uh, 5,200,000 5, or $5.2 million per consultancy per year is the problem that you're helping them with. Uh, holy cow. <laughs> that's, uh, that's really good. And if there's uh, 30, 35,000 uh, of these total in the U.S., that's 35,000 times uh, $40,000 a year that you're helping them save. That's one, that's a $1.4 billion problem. Uh, yeah, that's, this is good. The, the, whatever we need to do to solve this PDF problem, I think, is, <laughs> uh, I think would be good. Um, sounds like, sounds like it's a, it's a very technical problem though, holding you back that, uh, you, you taught yourself databases and how to code from this Tansy project. Uh, mm -hmm. you, this, this, this technical hurdle is something that you would need to either like brute force your way through yourself or, uh, hire outside help for, um, I'm not sure what question to ask. Shaw, you look like you have something to say. Yeah, I can I can step in. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> the technical problem sounds like it's solvable, and I'm not I'm not concerned on that side. We've we, you know we could we could name products that do similar things and they've solved it, and I'm not concerned there. So what I'm interested in is assuming you solved the PDF searching issue, what's stopping you then? Where would you go? Next, assuming you had this technical problem solved, what are the, what are the next steps then in terms of getting this to people, to the people who could benefit from it? Yeah, so my plan was if I got 
one to three states cataloged and searchable that I could then show like some of my past coworkers um, what I've been building because otherwise they're doing it like on uh, their Windows network or file explorer is how they're searching the PDFs right now. Wow. Um, so I was waiting to have somewhat something demoable for them and go talk to them and get feedback before I progressed on say all 50 states and then there's agencies within the states. Um, and so that's, I think that would be my next step after I got past this technical hurdle. Do you, do you feel like the technical hurdle is solvable or it sounds like how, how long have you been stuck on that step? Um, so I probably stopped cataloging the PDFs in August, September timeframe. Um, and cause I was kind of like, okay, do I spend a bunch of time figuring out how to search the entire PDF or do I just pull out the metadata? Hmm. And then I was thinking like, okay, maybe the permits isn't the right step. Maybe I, there's other easier problems to solve for them. Like we had a really hard time training new air quality consultants to be um, self-serving um, uh, to clients. So like mm -hmm. I could start a blog and dump all of my um, air quality knowledge there. Um, and that would be an easier problem to solve for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, September, August, I stopped um, cataloging because I didn't know what to do like if i should do the full text search or do the metadata sure. um and so i just like i just stopped um i probably should have went and asked um my potential users like do you need to be able to search the whole document off the get-go or hmm. what have you but i didn't i i love the intermediate step of starting a blog because that has no technical hurdles that's just writing words for a page and that's something that would be building the audience for the environmental database that mm -hmm. if you have a blog of readers and a newsletter and they know and trust you and you're sending out something once a week to them and then you say hey also i'm working on this thing that i know is a problem that you have because i wrote this thing about it and <laughs> so many engagement in that uh and that you know that now that's a that's a launch pad that uh, any product you have for someone in this space, you'll be able to launch it to them. What what does your audience currently look like in this space? It sounds like you have uh, coworkers. Do you, do you have any other sort of watering hole where they hang out or their Facebook groups or, or Reddit threads or something like that? Um, probably the most concentrated place is LinkedIn. Okay. Um, where there are some environmental consulting, air quality consulting groups. Um, I'm connected personally with quite a few that I worked with um, in my career, um, but I haven't identified any other social media or channels that they're hanging out in um, outside of LinkedIn yet. Okay. Okay. So uh, if you started a blog or started a launch list for this if posting it on, on linkedin there's there's enough people in your network that that would be a good place to start getting 
yeah. start start collecting an audience. Okay. I think okay. so, yeah. Man, I am I'm feeling really excited for you. Like this this sounds like, I I don't know anything about this space other than what you've told me, but uh this sounds like a really big deal. This sounds like a huge problem. This sounds like something that you have a lot of industry expertise in. Like I'm I'm really excited for you to get something out there. Um if if there is this current technical challenge of exactly how you're going to do the OCR and exactly how the data is going to be formatted uh, in the PDF. Is there some sort of intermediate product? I love the blog because the blog is something we could get out right away. Could could you have a service where you say, hey, I know this is going to take whatever per machinery you're going to do. How about you pay me $10 and I'll do it for you. And now you can be uh, dog fooding your tool. You're you're using your tool behind the scenes, but you're you're just doing it a little bit more scrappy, where you're you're doing the work for other people. Is there something like that 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 you could get started with uh, much sooner? Yeah, there might be. So one of the other things that um, air quality um, clients and the actual people at the facilities struggle with is um, agencies will issue a issue them a draft permit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we want to be able to compare that to the previous version permit. And so we need to see a side-by-side of changes. Mm-hmm. Even if the agency says, I only changed these three things, we never trust them. Mm-hmm. And um, so for the Minnesota permits, I would extract each line item in the tables and put it into Excel. And then um, a coworker had written a macro to compare what had changed. Um, so that is something I've thought about that would be something I could do. I could compare old and new versions of permits, mm-hmm. um, more quickly than like the comp, the compiling of all the permits into okay. one database. Um, yeah. Yeah. sounds like technically that's, that's already been solved. You, you can already extract the table from the PDF your coworker already made the macro for Excel. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you feel like you have enough technical knowledge to be able to make that a self-service thing? Or would this be like, uh, you know, someone, someone buys the thing from you and they just email you the PDFs and then you, you send them back the report. Um, it, in doing some initial researching, it looks like there are programs out there that will do PDF comparisons for you okay. and highlight the differences. Um, so, if I could connect into their APIs, I probably could figure out how to do it self-service, but the easier step would definitely be you send me the two PDFs. I um, manually go through the changes, highlight them or share them back in whatever format they want and send them back. And that's, that's something that I imagine you could start doing today, right? You could post this in LinkedIn (laughs) and say, Hey, (laughs) I'm working on a thing and uh, you know, email me the, the PDFs and send me, you know, whatever amount of money on PayPal. Um, yeah. Okay. The, here, here's the picture that I'm, that I'm drawing for this. Uh, first of all, oh my gosh, this is, this is financially a much higher impact, much lower hanging fruit than, uh, Tansy. Tansy sounds really cool. Uh, I'd love to dig into that more. It's interesting that you're doing like financial forecasting, but for this, for the goal of wanting to, uh, make seven, $8,000 a month, uh, that, that, that would be a, a potential replacement for your full-time income. 
Man, if you're talking about a, a $1.4 billion per year market in this area that you have a lot of professional expertise in, that the problems here sound really low-hanging fruit. This is your scraping PDFs. This is your comparing PDFs. Like Technically, technically, it sounds like you have built up yourself, just, just teaching yourself enough technical knowledge to, to be able to uh, be addressing these problems. It's, it's Excel macros and, and pe- like my mouth is a water. like, th- this is perfect. This is so, it's so nice. Um, so I think, I think the way to get there, I, I hear that there's this technical hurdle of, uh, not knowing quite how to format the PDFs and not knowing quite how to do OCR. But I, I think the game that you sounds like you could start doing today is like start a blog, write interesting things for the blog related to these two problems. Talk about how you solved it and then uh, have them all tying back to the services that you're offering and start with just email me the thing and I'll do it for you. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, send me some money on PayPal and start posting stuff like that on LinkedIn that, you know, every blog post you post gets put on LinkedIn. Every new service you offer gets uh, posted on LinkedIn and then take money from that and take your own internal processes of how you're handling those jobs and, and slowly iterate on those, make those uh, more efficient, uh, and then eventually have something entirely self-service where they can log in online and it, exactly like you built for Tansy, some, something where they can log in online and then eventually uh, just pay you entirely from the website. And I, I see that as a really smooth ramp of going up where every, like the first step you could do today, just start a blog and write a blog post for it and post it on LinkedIn. Um, and then each each iteration of that feels like a pretty small step uh, that that's my picture of how I'm seeing this playing out. How how does that all feel to you? Yeah, I think that progression is more achievable and I'll actually be able to take action on it versus like facing that really large technical problem. Um yeah, yeah I can I started spinning up the blog um about a month ago. So like I just signed up for is it blog static, I think. Um okay. really easy user interface. Um but I hadn't I haven't shared it yet, uh, like imposter syndrome uh, creeping in. But um, yeah, I think that is a good plan of attack. To be clear, like your first blog post is going to be bad. Your first time is <laughs> yes, going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's just the game. Uh, you know, make a, make a good 50th blog post. And the hardest part of that is just getting to 50 blog posts. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it sounds like you're aligned in wanting to help people that this is a problem that you've had for yourself and there's not that many people who go through this this second order thought process of like ah this this task i'm doing at my job really sucks maybe i could help make it better <laughs> maybe i could invest in some tools to make an excel macro to to automate this uh most people just sort of accept that and uh complain about it and and don't do anything about it so you can come in as their savior you can say hey you know that thing you do that takes up half of your time at your job here you can use this thing and now what used to take up half of your day is going to take a, a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make the, the part of your job that is one of the worst parts of your job. I'm going to completely take that away from you. So now you, you can be twice as effective in doing the mm-hmm. things that you actually like. Um, and your solution to that's going to be imperfect at first. Your solution to that's going to, you know, it's it's going to be, uh, you know, mailing stuff back and forth and you're going to make mistakes in doing it. And um, it's it's going to be a long road to get to a place where we have this magical solution of someone can just, you know, type in the name of 
their heavy machinery and it's going to be able to spit out this beautiful <laughs> formatted list of all these perfectly cited PDFs. Uh, we're, we're a ways away from that, but you can start helping people with that problem today. Uh, yeah. and, and I think they'd be incredibly grateful and uh, it's going to start you early on this road to making seven to $8,000 a month. Yeah, no, I like the, I like the plan and yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> Shire, are you in agreement with, uh, with Kelsey and me? <laughs> I, I am. I'm, I'm excited for this. I can see that you, Kelsey, seem a bit more excited about this project than you did 30 minutes ago, which is cool to see. <laughs> um, I have yeah. a few questions. And I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to start with the more surface level stuff and then we're going to get a bit deeper. So uh, firstly, I just wanted to clarify something when you were talking about uh, the ways that you could kind of dog food this product instead of building a full self-service thing, the ways that you could have your MVP for this, your minimum viable product be you doing some stuff for them behind the scenes. The, if I'm understanding right, the conversation kind of shifted there from talking about how could you dog food the environmental database thing towards, and, and we shifted towards this conversation about the comparison tool. Am I right that that's that's a different thing? Um, and if yes. if so, yeah. I to understand, like, could you dog food the environmental database thing itself so that you didn't have to build the entire self serve? And yeah, yes, I could um, dog food the searching of permits. I could do that manually. Um, instead of them spending the half their time doing it, it would essentially fall on me um, doing that manual searching until I ha would have it all cataloged. So that is a viable option. It is probably more time intensive than like the permit comparison thing. And I agree with you, the permit comparison thing does not solve the same problem as the searching of permits. Okay. Um, and potentially there could even be an in-between step where uh, maybe if you've solved a bit of the PDF searching thing, but you haven't yet built an entire user interface for it, you could then have, like, that's quite a nice stage where you can dog food as well, where like, they have you do it, you just do the search using your automated system, so it takes you two minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about it like that. I was thinking I would be going to all these websites looking but yes that probably is the better um step if i if i got everything into a text file and could just search it without the user interface yes okay and you could probably get there fair, i mean you still have the challenge of getting the text out of the pdfs but once you've done that you maybe don't have so much of the database searching issues because you can you know how to work around that you can just search in this big text document you can you know the edge cases, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, so like that could that. be a cool. Yeah, that could be a cool way in without spending a long time building everything before you let people use it. Um, yeah. Okay. Next up, um, you touched on. So we're talking about how you could save these people all this time. You mentioned briefly earlier that these consultants end up rebilling their time, right? They, the client pays, is like, do they pay hourly to mm -hmm. have this environmental consultant do their thing? Yeah, and so exactly. If, mm. Right, so is, 
if you save them that half of that four hours per day, are you not just making them less money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the company um, going to feel about that? Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't thought through that completely, but um, there are some consultancies that are just doing like the cookie cutter work um, and not adding value because they don't have time um, within the client budgets to do more. So they're spending all the time searching for the permits where if they had the permits at hand, they could potentially be more creative in how the permit they're trying to get for the client is structured. Um, so I think my hope would be that the consultants take the reduction in time to add more value for the client and not necessarily just bill them less. Um, but it, it, I mean, that is a valid concern. Like, yeah, consultants will be able to work faster, but hopefully in their billing structure that they then find ways to add more value to the client to make up for that efficiency. Maybe I market it to the the uh, clients instead. And it, it throws up, that's like, that's not a flaw in what you're doing. It's much more a flaw in hourly billing, right? It just, it, it shows yes. how... Uh, <laughs> like you could make these people like it, 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 if you have a situation where the consultants are incentivized to spend longer doing the job like that's i don't think anyone is really winning but if that's how this industry currently operates it's something to maybe be aware of uh, when when you're figuring out how to how to encourage people to want to use this yeah i agree okay and then i want to talk about now we get a little bit deeper. You mentioned that you started this blog, which sounds like a really great way to start uh, spreading the word about this. And then you didn't, you haven't shared it with people yet. Uh, and I'm curious to know uh, what stopped you from doing that. What's, if I'm understanding right, you've written, I don't know how, how much you've written on this, on this blog static site. And then maybe you've, have you just kept that to yourself? Has it has it gone anywhere? What's where are you at with that, and why? Um, yeah, I have kept it to myself. Um, I think in my mind, I wanted to have like I don't know if it's ten ish articles, blog posts, like available before I start sending people there. I think right now I have two and a half or three and a half articles um, ready. Um, and they were more focused for like entry level air quality consultants. Um, so I think I'm, I'm scared to share it with only a couple there. Like I wanted to have something more there. So if people would take me more seriously that this was going to be something that I would continue to progress on and not just, um, I wrote a few blog posts on a whim type of thing. Okay. Uh, is there, is it, if you, could you take one of those ones that you've written and, and share it on LinkedIn? Does it have to be part of, you know, I, I get the idea that you kind of, you want the blog to be this place that has lots of stuff on it. Could you just share the one-off article? I could, yes, I could do that. I hadn't thought about that, but I guess I could. <laughs> what's what uh what are you feeling right now when i when i describe <laughs> when i describe the idea of maybe doing that 
Um, I think it feels like the right thing to do. Um, I'm probably less scared of just sharing it there. Um, cause I'm scared of like sharing the website URL and they go back and see there's only two or three there. So yes, I could share the article just on LinkedIn, like as a LinkedIn post. Um, is that what you're kind of inferring? Yeah. Yeah. That would be one option. Yeah. Um, I could you do that today? I yes, I probably could. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I could. But, but it feels scary to like put myself out there. Uh, but yes, I could. And I yeah. Yeah, it's it's scary. Um, it, it's what do you what. When you when you play that through, what are you scared might happen after you post it? Um, I like I left the environmental consultant um, industry about two years ago, so like I don't know if they still view me as like um a expert i don't know that i'm an expert but like mid to senior level um person in that industry so maybe they don't take me seriously because i'm not intimately in that type of work today um and then i think maybe i'm a little scared of like what my current current co-workers would think because they'll be like why is kelsey talking about environmental stuff like now she's doing financial stuff now. Why is she even thinking about that stuff? So I think those are the two main things I'm scared of. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that's I. Those, those resonate. I feel that. Um, do you have a response to that? Like, if if one of your current coworkers came up to you and said, "Hey, Kelsey, why are you why are you writing about environmental stuff? You don't work in that space anymore." Could could you answer that question? Yeah, I have kind of replayed this in my head of like, you know, I worked in the industry for seven to eight years and I have a lot of knowledge in my head that I just feel like I should not take to the grave and that I should share it with people because I think other folks will learn from it um, and probably leave it at that and not um, go into a spiel about the whole environmental database vision. Um probably leave that yeah. for another day because they'd probably be worried <laughs> be leaving my job i think that's i think that's a very reasonable answer like i i wrote this post because i it, it's it's something i'm interested in like that and i have some knowledge that i that i think could help some people and so i'd like to share that with them i think that's a that's a very sound answer okay good and i think i think the to your first point about about kind of worrying whether you're the expert in my experience it's the other way around the ex it's it's not that it's not that the when you when you see all these experts posting all these blog posts it's not that they were qualified to write the blog post because they were enough of an expert it's everyone sees them as an expert because they're the one that wrote all the blog posts yeah like you build your authority by doing doing that work by taking those steps not the other way around but it's still mm -hmm. scary 
but if but if you <laughs> it is i think yeah. the big thing is if if there are people like can you think of a person who doesn't know the thing that you do know that you're writing about like, can you think of an individual maybe who, at your old company who is at an yeah. earlier stage than you mm -hmm. and this would help them then like yes I can. what more yeah. do you need like then then you are an expert to them you know there might be people who know more than you but that's that's okay you're not writing for them mm -hmm. yeah no i like that frame of mind um yeah and i think if i can keep that frame of mind like i will be less scared yeah uh, and i'm i'm saying all this sounding like the expert but i i've you know i struggle with all these exact same things uh, it's much easier for me to say this like, from the outside um but i mean and also if you uh, i can assure you me and christian know less about this environmental stuff than you do so if you ever need just pretend you're writing <laughs> for us like, <laughs> you know there are people in the world who do not know the things that you know um, and that that sometimes that's enough yeah yeah i appreciate that frame of mind you said something that really resonated with me that you have something like a decade of industry knowledge that you don't want to take to the grave with you. This is something I think about all the time when thinking about my grandparents, uh, there's, there's this quote, I think it's between Kurt Vonnegut. It's a literary exchange between Kurt Vonnegut and, and a different author. And, uh, the exchange goes, uh, uh, the rich aren't like you and me. And then Kurt Vonnegut responds, no, they have more money than I do. And that's the difference, right? rich people are people that have more money and in the same respect writers don't know more than other people they they haven't uh had some deep experience that that other people haven't had they don't have something more interesting to share they just write and non-writers don't write and how i wish that like if i could have known more about my great-grandfather salvatore vitali jenko he uh emigrated to the u.s in uh, the early 1900s as a, I think, four-year-old boy from Rocapalumba, Sicily. And one of the only things I have from him is this video that my mom recorded of him making cheese. He, uh, and, and like, that, that what, a, what a tiny snapshot of a person, right? I, mm -hmm. I wish that he had been writing about his experiences and his view on life. And I wish I had more recipes from him than, than just this recipe on cheese. He lived to be over a hundred years old. I'd like to know how he did that. Like what, what were his techniques? What was his mentality? What, what exercises was he doing? He didn't write any of it down. I've got this one video. Uh, and I think other people in the family have, have different videos that they've recorded. So I've been working on piecing that together. Um, but yeah, you've got 10 years of experience in this industry. You got a lot of stuff that would help people. And if you don't write it down, if you don't systematize it into these processes, the industry is just going to lose that. And they could mm -hmm. they could go through work to piece it together. It's you know, I'm sure you've had uh, innovations and realizations in yourself, but probably you know, if someone else going through the same amount of work could figure it out. But you're in the best position to be sharing this information with people. Um, so yeah, that 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 resonates with me strongly. Like, I think uh, when when I'm working on sharing things, I, I have this resistance in me of. Uh, like you said, this this uh, imposter syndrome of like, well, who am I to be sharing these things? Well, you know, I'm me that, that's lived my life and I have my own experience. And if I'm not writing this stuff down, 
it's just going to get lost. And I don't think this helps no people. I think it helps some people. So uh, yes, it's it's my moral duty to to be writing this stuff down and trying to help other humans as, as best as I can. And uh, there's going to be times where I'm wrong and I hope people call me out on that. And I, I work mm-hmm. to be as open as possible to, to accepting criticism and be able to change in that dimension. But yeah, this like... 10 years man let's let's get it out there let's help some people there's what what poor environmental consultants are out there just starting their job that just struggling that are just thinking like man i I wish i had some kind of a mentor like is this really this difficult to to find these things in these pdfs um and oh my gosh to compare two pdfs how do i even do that how how could you this is going to take so much time um you can be the person to step in and, and uh help them be working much more effectively um that then they can they can go to these higher levels they can they can surpass then where you got because you can pave the way of of uh, all the struggles that you went through yeah that 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 comment really uh, uh struck a chord with me yeah i i like how you characterize um yeah let's get it written down like i think i feel more motivated uh right now than i did before the call um, I feel connected to that like purpose um, a lot, and so yeah. <clears throat> That's great to hear. Yeah, you uh, you being motivated means that there's going to be a lot of people who uh, are going to be benefiting from uh, the the work that you're doing. So ah, that that makes me happy to hear. Um, I had two just sort of logistical questions just about this project. We're we're talking about these PDFs of these records of the um, uh, different permits how many pdfs are we talking about is this thousands or or millions or billions of pdfs what's the scale of the data um it's probably in the hundred of thousands um maybe eventually millions but definitely not billions unless this project would go on for a very long time um but in its current state if i had everything right now it's probably in the hundreds of thousands Okay. Okay. So the technique is probably going to be with a handful of PDFs, figure out some systematized way of doing OCR on them and sticking them in the database. And then once, once you figured that out, run a script on all the PDFs and then get mm-hmm. them all in the database. Okay. Okay. The, the, the workflow I'm imagining then is like, get all the PDFs first, get them all in one place, have a giant hard drive on your computer that's storing them all. And then you can be making incremental improvements on your script that does OCR on them and then puts them in the database. So the first pass might just be, uh, you know, go through for, for each PDF, insert them in the database with some unique ID so that we can update them later. And then one of the columns in the database is just the full text of the PDF and then do that okay. for every single PDF. And then in the future, if you figure out, oh, shoot, actually, uh, you know, it'd, it'd be nice if I had also... Uh, a list of all the machinery for each PDF. So, and here's my complicated way of figuring that. Okay, let me go back through that entire folder of PDFs and update uh, each of those columns to have a field that is a list of uh, all that machinery. So you can you can be doing that incrementally based on that giant folder of PDFs. And then as you get new PDFs, you just uh, put them back in the folder. Um, okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, that does. It, yeah, and that sounds more straightforward than I think what I was thinking I would have to do. So yeah, okay. I like that. Yeah. And then it doesn't have to be perfect. The first time you go through it, you can, you can <laughs> yeah. keep updating the script. And, yeah. Okay. That's something we forget a lot with software is how easily it can be changed later. 
I think we're we're all we all sometimes get stuck in this mindset of you build the thing and like what if this isn't the optimal way to do it and that might be the case with hardware with yeah. physical products but with something like this yeah, if if when you're stuck with multiple ways to do something i find that the best question to ask is if i pick the wrong option can i change it later and if the answer is yes there is it's it's rarely worth spending any more time deciding which one to do especially with so early on in a project just run with something move sure. forward fix it later if you need yeah that makes sense i've heard that from just trapdoor decisions just notice if a decision is a trapdoor decision if it's something you you're going to fall through the trapdoor and not be able to get back up and yeah the, the way that you're parsing pdfs is not a trapdoor decision uh Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, who would you rather have as a customer, the consultant or the consultancy? Do you see this as a tool where you're selling it to each individual consultant and the sales pitch to them is uh, this is going to make you personally more effective? Or would you prefer to sell it to the consultancy, which is going to be a lot more money but has its own challenges that's probably going to be a longer sales cycle? Um, and then there's kind of this existential question of for the consultancy, it's it, or for, the, for the consultant, it's a very straightforward value proposition of like, hey, you know this annoying task that you hate to do, here's this tool to, to help you go faster. But for the consultancy billing per hour, there's this more complicated strategic question that you went into with Shy of, okay, well, now you'll have more human resources either to be able to, to tackle a, a bigger workload with a smaller workforce or to take your workforce and, and be delivering higher value things on it. Um, they both have pros and cons, but I'm I'm just curious who in, in thinking about selling to a consultant versus a consultancy, uh, how, how do you feel about, uh, each of those? Yeah. So based on how we worked as consultants, like if I wanted access to some external program, we would have to get approval kind of more at that consultancy level. Okay. Um, Otherwise, we would have to pay for it out of pocket. Mm -hmm. um, so like there was one um, environmental program we use that is all about um, visualizing regulations in a better way than the federal register does. Um, and like we had 15 seats available. Mm. Um, so that's kind of, I, it would be easier to sell to the individual consultant, mm -hmm. but they would likely have to go get approval for a budget number to use to pay for it, or they would have to pay for it out of pocket. And I don't know that they would pay for it out of their own personal um, money. Um, so I, I kind of think I'm probably going to be stuck selling more to the consultancy, but I probably mm -hmm. need, like I've listened to um, <clears throat> Ben Orenstein's um, podcast with Tuple and he talks about how like they'll get a couple of users within the company and then they'll expand from there into like a maybe a larger contract or more uh, people using that so i mm -hmm. think that probably has to be my strategy but i have to find a way for those first couple of users to have a way to pay for it from the yeah. consultancy yeah i see that i was gonna give uh ben or as seen as an example of the same kind of thing of uh, when you have a product yeah. that benefits the people in the company, but you need a way to help them to sell your offering to their 
to their seniors. Um, so it's cool that you've already been listening to, right. to him. When you asked that question, Christian, about who it would be selling to, I realized that's an even better reason to look at how you could dog food this, how you could make this very minimal, minimum viable product. Because any of those challenges, if there are challenges in persuading whichever entity to pay for it, that's going to be much it's going to be much easier if you can learn about those earlier versus after you've spent a very long time building the product and making everything a bit more rigid. And then you go and find out that there are these reasons why they can't pay for it in the ways that you hoped. So if you could make yeah. some kind of service where you do it for them, then you're going to learn all these objections right up front and be able to figure out your way around them without getting deep into all the technical challenges. So I think that's, that's a smart move. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, could you do that as a, like, that that first blog post that you post? Can you have a thing saying, and if you want to, you know, save a lot of time doing this, here is the service. Just, you can send send your requirements to this email address and I will I will send back the thing, you know? Yeah, no, I, I could. Um... I definitely could. It's scary, but I could. Yes, and I think I will. Um, um, okay, Christian, did you want to? Were you about to ask? I want to. I want to get this into like very concrete next steps. Is that the wrapping up that you were talking about doing? Uh yes. So for the very next step, it sounds like today you have this blog post written on this blog, and you feel scared but feels attainable to to take one of those blog posts and just copy and paste that into linkedin or just post the url like i'm i'm oh i I do want to dig into this one more thing so i i i heard you say that you you before you publish anything on your blog you want to have 10 blog posts uh i would love to dig into that what's what what what's bad about publishing a blog post on a blog that only has uh two and a half posts i think it goes back to like thinking that i'm not the authority and if i had 10 blog posts they would maybe see me more as an authority um so again i think i'm just like scared that if they only saw i had two or three blog posts there i'd be like well is is she really serious like Hmm. should we see her as an authority i think that's kind of where i'm scared of sharing the url okay but if I, you I, if you were on linkedin and you clicked on a blog post and it helped you and you were interested in, in the things it was saying and then you clicked on a few more blog posts and there were <laughs> there were uh, one and a half other blog posts uh, how, how would you feel about that blog um I think if I didn't know the person, I may be more skeptical than if I knew the person. Hmm. Um, if I knew the person, I think I would be like, oh, yeah, they're just getting started. But if I didn't know the person, I'd be like, oh, interesting. Like, did they just start this or did they have this big vision and then they just stopped doing it? Um, hmm. Probably just because I have kind of followed the software blog blog um spectrum and i'm asking the same questions other people are but people not in that um space it probably never crosses their mind (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) 
Like someone yeah. who's never started a side project would probably not think about it. At that point, if you read that blog post, uh, that that blog, and you saw there are only a couple, a couple of of posts, and you said, "Okay, I'm skeptical about whether this person is credible," would you? Presumably, at that point, you would just carry on browsing the internet. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, add them to your blacklist of people to never trust if you came back across <laughs> them in future. You'd probably forget who they were. You'd move on and. Right. It's it's it doesn't leave that author any worse off than if they had never posted to begin with. Right. Would that be would that be reasonable? Yes, you are right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, that would be an even easier next step then of instead of copying and pasting the blog posts into LinkedIn. <laughs> you could just like post the post the link in. Uh, and, and that would be even easier. That'd be, that'd be something you do like in the next five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it could. Yep. I probably will read through the blog post just like one more time, but I okay. think you guys have convinced me that I I shouldn't be scared to post the link. Oh, that's great. That oh, we think you should be scared. <laughs> we think you should do it anyway. Uh, yeah. I probably still will be scared uh, when I click post. Uh, scared is good. Scared is scared means you care about it. Like you, you care about your mm. your how you come across in this industry. You you care about the work you're doing. I think scared is good. It doesn't have to mean that you don't do the yes. thing. Yes. Yeah. You're right. I'm excited to read this post later today. On uh, and do you know do you know which one you're going to post? What it's going to be about? Um, I had drafted one that explains the difference between actual and potential emissions okay. and like so a fifth grader could understand it um so that's probably the one um i would start with um i hadn't written one about the struggles of catalog or like searching for permits or comparing permits yet but for the sake of posting i'm going to post the one that i already have drafted and then i do want to curate content that relates more directly back to the environmental database vision okay, um, okay yeah. great so so right after this call sounds like it's going to be scary but you can take read over one time <laughs> your post on actual versus potential emissions and then post that on linkedin and then send it to us so we can include it in the show notes so that any listener who would like to learn about the difference between <laughs> actual and you know i just i just woke up this morning and i was thinking you know i i really don't feel like i understand the difference between actual and potential emissions so this this is uh incredibly incredibly opportune for me um so <laughs> anyone who uh is listening now you can you can check out the description of the show notes and and read kelsey's post on actual versus uh potential emissions if, if you've had similar questions um, and then sounds like from there, it's, it's going to be this stair step of, uh, writing more blog posts, uh, writing blog posts about these two potential problems that you want to build products around of comparing the PDFs and, uh, looking up the, uh, equipment permitting and then within those blog posts, um, and along with the blog posts, when you post them to LinkedIn, um, offering uh, a service where people can just email you and you'll do the work for them. And then uh, in the process of doing that, as you're doing that, improving your own internal tools until you get to the point where you have a product that people can sign up for. And then, oh my gosh, you're going to be addressing a uh, $1.4 billion market. Uh, this is 
this is uh exciting stuff uh how how does that whole plan feel to you from the the next five minutes after this call to to <laughs> sitting atop your 1.4 billion dollar empire <laughs> uh, it sounds awesome um i'm really really excited uh this call has been extremely valuable and yeah i feel oh. like i can take action now so really excited there's the sound bite that's great to hear uh, Kelsey, where can people find out more about you? Where can where can people read your blog? Maybe if they're environmental engineers or environmental environment consultants and want to want to hear more about this. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, K R Petrich, P E T R I C H, and then um, the blog will likely be I have it right now at uh, air the airqualityconsultant.com. Wonderful. Uh, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us on What's Stopping You. If you are listening to this podcast and you would like a similar uh, mastermindy, helpful conversation like this, you can head to whatstoppingyou.fm or you can direct message me or Shy on Twitter and links to all those will be in the show notes. And we have options available. If you don't want it to be on a public podcast, uh, you can pay us money instead and we won't publish it. Uh, I think that's it. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>